0: basis for our sermon message today comes from psalm chapter 63 we read you god are my god earnestly i seek you i thirst for you my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water i have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you I will praise you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me the word of our God. <clears throat> I woke up just completely covered in sand. I mean, it, it was everywhere. In my, my mouth, in my eyes, in my ears. It was even in my nose. I don't know how it got there. During the year I, I spent living in China, at one point I went on a, on a three-day trek on camels out into the southern part of the Gobi Desert. And I I definitely won't forget the last night I had out there in the desert. Uh, A sandstorm whipped up in the evening and and we had to go into our tents kind of early that night because it was getting pretty intense. And at one point in the middle of the night, I heard the the wind tarp on top of my tent come ripping off and it, it flew off somewhere. Obviously, in the middle of the night, I, I didn't want to go out looking for it in the middle of a sandstorm, so I kind of just hunkered down, and I could feel the sand coming in through the top of the tent. The next morning, I was covered in a layer of sand, me and everything else in my tent. <coughs> and as I ate a very crunchy, sandy breakfast that morning, I think, I think that was the point when I realized, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get out of this desert I longed for some food with no sand in it, and I, I longed even more for a nice shower, because I was covered in sand, and I was starting to smell a little bit like the camel that I was riding. I just—this is an actual picture from that trip, and I—I I, nev- had never seen so much sand, just in every direction, everywhere you look. It was massive and desolate. As much as I I really wanted a shower, thankfully, I I didn't actually have any lack of water out there in the desert. Every day, uh, some other guides would come out on their camels, and they would bring us fresh jugs of water and fresh food. And it's a good thing they did, because there was nothing we were going to find out there. Not a drop of water to be found in this vast, sandy expanse of the Gobi Desert. A desert is the setting that Psalm 63 puts us in today. And while the the desert mentioned in Psalm 63 isn't a, a physical desert, this psalm was written in a desert. King David found himself in the desert of Judah when he wrote the words of this psalm. And, you know, the Desert of Judah, maybe not quite as expansive as the Gobi Desert, but as you can tell from the picture there, too, it's a very harsh-looking place. Just west of the Dead Sea, there's like no rain there, maybe five to eight inches a year if you're lucky. And uh, the summer temperatures there in that desert may be getting up into the 120s very, very easily. But David, unlike me, wasn't, wasn't just going on a fun little three-day trek in the desert as, as a fun thing. David was out there in the desert of Judah. The king himself was in exile there. He was, he was an outcast. He had to flee for his life out into the desert in order to escape. King David's son, Absalom, rebelled against his father, and most of the city of Jerusalem went along with him. King David loved his son, Absalom. He even kind of brought him back into the kingdom at a point when he probably shouldn't have, but, but he loved his son. He loved Absalom. Of course, all he got for his love was betrayal and a rebellion. And now here he is fleeing for his life out of Jerusalem, out into the desert. And now this desert of Judah he's in started to reflect the spiritual and emotional desert David was finding himself in as well and it all kind of seemed like just a, a big mistake because David was supposed to be the king favored by God was God really with David now there didn't God promise David that his throne would be established forever no thrones out there in the desert how is this going to happen now looked like God's promises to David were dashed. And at this point, out in the desert, David, you would think, finally, time for him to turn his back on God. But David did the opposite. David had been through enough by now to realize that that when he's in a tough spot, then, more than ever, he needed to seek his Lord even more. When he was emotionally and spiritually parched and dry, he longed for God. He longed for God like he was longing for water in the desert. He said, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Thirst is... It's a driving force. I don't maybe none of us here have actually really experienced even getting close to like fatal dehydration. But you know this, the body can't go long without water. For for the average person, three to four days without water, without liquid, you're probably a goner. Just three to four days. Our bodies, our our organs and, and cells begin to deteriorate without water. We literally dry up. Our relationship with, with water, it's not just a thing about desiring it. It's about survival. And David knew he needed God, like he needed water. He needed God if he was going to survive another ordeal like this. He needed God if he was going to find hope to keep going after this. David, he had a spiritual and emotional reservoir that was dried up. And then looking out in that desert landscape, he saw a landscape that exactly how his heart felt. Dry, parched, weary. We're going to find some seasons in our life when we're going to be walking through some pretty dry, parched lands. Not physical ones spiritual, emotional ones. We've, we've got our own emo- emotional deserts we're going to have to walk through sometimes when there is no refreshing stream in sight to give us relief. Even as, as Christians, you might gonna, you're maybe going to come across some times of spiritual drought, times when you're walking through spiritual deserts when maybe you feel like you're cut off from God and His love, when you feel like you're wandering out in the desert. And most of us, I think, you know, we, we can handle a few hard days, right? You, you can kind of push through them. You can, you can handle a short trek out into the desert, a, a few days when you know you're coming back out. But when that trek in the desert just keeps going on and on and there's no exit in sight, that's when we might start to despair when the the financial troubles aren't going to just kind of sort themselves out after a couple months like you thought they would. You feel the heat of that desert beating down around you. Maybe we we can all, you know, survive a few days without seeing someone we really love. It's hard, but you can do it. But when it becomes clear that the person you love just isn't really at at all going to be coming back around anymore, then you you start to wish you could just find a trickle of water to give you some refreshment in your your grief. And work can sometimes have us so wrapped up that we don't give our families the time and attention they need. And and, you'll, you'll tell yourself, it's just for a while. I'll just be busy for a couple weeks and it'll let up. And then when it doesn't, when the work keeps piling up, and family gets pushed out more and more, you're going to feel like you're walking through a dry, parched land. This desert, yeah, we can take a few days trekking out into it, but when we start going in circles with no exit in sight and no water in sight, we might even start to blame and doubt God. God certainly doesn't seem like he has my interest at heart, He's not holding me in his hand. He's not giving me the life that I thought I was going to have. Where is he? I need him now. Psalm 63 was written by a desert wanderer. Psalm 63 is written for you. When you wander in the desert, when you feel like you've been cut off from God, his love when you feel spiritually and emotionally parched open up Psalm 63 read it go ahead pray it out loud even even sing it if you have to like we did this morning reading this psalm maybe help you start to recognize that there could be points when God leads you through some desert experiences but, he, but he's going to use those times to, to let you cling even tighter to him, to long for him and his deliverance even more. When you're spiritually and emotionally parched and dry, know that, that Jesus' love is with you. You know that he's going to shelter you under his wings. He will be your strength. He will satisfy your empty soul. This is one of the, the most in Intensely emotional psalms that David wrote. Probably one of his most beautiful, too. Some of the worst times in David's life brought out his best poetry and praise. And some of our greatest acts of trust in God come out of our darkest hours. Because the greatest trials call for the greatest trusts, and and they usually produce the greatest spiritual growth. The greatest trials call for the greatest trust, and they bring on the greatest longing for God. Clearly, David, in in his experience here, this, this brings out his longing for God. I mean, look at the words he writes here. It almost sounds like he's writing like a love letter to God. Pick up on some of those phrases. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Your love is better than life. I think of you through the watches of the night. These, these words are bursting with emotion. And you, and you might want to take some notes here because any of those phrases, they're going to be really, really good lines you could put in your next Valentine's Day card. But this, in the end, isn't just David trying to be sappy. This is, this is David Coming to grips with how deeply God satisfies his soul. David coming to grips with how much he depends on God, how much God has done for him. And maybe some of us here haven't really had to walk, trek through a truly desperate desert yet. But I know some of you here have gone through some emotional deserts, some wastelands. I know some of you are trekking through them right now. But I know something else. And so do you. You know that God is faithful. That his faithful love will satisfy your emptiness. That he will uphold you in his right hand. You know this because you know Jesus. If you ever doubt that God will be with you. Just remember his promises. They have never failed. They're not going anywhere. If you ever doubt, just look to Jesus. He is the water of life, and he gives the water of life even in the driest deserts that sin makes for us here in this world. Jesus himself said, whoever comes to me will never go thirsty. Spiritual survival depends on the grace of, Jesus gives, and he gives it freely. Jesus longed for God, his Father, more than any of us ever could. But Then Jesus was also the one to allow himself to be cut off from his Father's love there on the cross. And despite our longing for so many other things besides God, Jesus is the one who went to that spiritual desert Of the cross for us and remember when when Jesus was on the cross at one point he he said I am thirsty he was only given vinegar to drink but Jesus went to the parched landscape of the cross for us so that when we cry out to God I am thirsty we receive a waterfall of soothing forgiveness We receive a washing in baptism, not just removing a layer of sand, removing our sins from us completely. We're washed, we're cleansed. Jesus longs for us to be with him in the city of God, heaven, where that river of the water of life flows unceasingly. God longs for you. You know he does. Just look what he did for you in Jesus to bring you to him. God longs for you. Knowing that, that, that God longs for you, that he gives you deliverance, you know there's going to be even more deliverance coming. David, he drew on his past experiences to give him hope in the present tough spot he was in. And, and David knew a, a, a thing or two about past deliverance. I mean, this is the guy who stood before the giant Goliath with nothing but a slingshot and won. This is the guy who God repeatedly kept safe from King Saul when he was trying to kill David again and again. David, even though he's in a parched and weary time, even though he is thirsty, he already confidently cries out, he sings it, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. And you notice throughout this psalm, David, he's so confident of God's deliverance that he he starts to praise him for delivering him before the situation is even resolved. He knows it's a sure thing. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And with David, we lift up our voices and praise to God. We We praise him even before he's finished delivering us because we know it's a sure thing. We know our deliverance, has already been accomplished for us in Christ. Even while we're still walking in the desert, we praise God for delivering us from the desert. And because God longs for us, we can make longing for him a routine day and night. Verse seven, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. If you ever reach that, that stage in a, in a stressful time when you're, you're, even your mind can't calm down at night, turn your thoughts to God. Even better than counting sheep is talking to your shepherd Go to God in prayer. He's always listening. He can calm your racing mind, even in the most troubling times. And then in verse 8, you see a beautiful picture of what it really means to long for God. We say these words with David, I cling to you. We we hold fast to God, never wanting to let go of him, clinging to him like a a life preserver. Just think about it. If, If you're out in the ocean drowning, someone throws you a life preserver, you're not going to just float there hanging on by a little pinky, letting them take you in. You're going to cling to that thing. It's your, it's your lifeline. And you're going to cling to it even tighter when the wind is howling and the waves are pounding. Whether it's a picture of a raging ocean or a parched desert, these are the times when you learn to trust and cling to God even more tightly and even if there's bad stuff happening all around you, clinging tighter to God, that's a very good thing to have happen. And remember the longing is mutual. As you cling to God, he holds tight to you. He holds you, he upholds you in his right hand. And God's right hand is the symbol of his power. No one's got the strength to break that grip on you. And even the times when we cling loosely to God, he's holding us tight in his his right hand. Your longing for God simply can't match his longing for you. But that's okay. Because God, even in your treks through the desert, can bring you closer to him, can cling more tightly to you, depend on God. He will slake your thirst. He will satisfy your empty soul. He will be your help. He will shelter you under his protective wings. He will uphold you in his right hand. The desert doesn't stand a chance. Amen.